0: Good to be back, but for my first time in this hall, <laughs> and uh, since I've come so far away from Jalan <coughs> uh, I should go straight into the text and uh, give you my best uh, in the Word of God. The Word of God is very precious; uh, it is something that God has left for us so that we may know Him better. Especially when nowadays you can't see him face to face. All the more, we need to know who is this God that we have believed in and that we have put our trust in. So today, let us turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 4. Gospel of Mark chapter 4. Do a very familiar passage. Reading from verse 35 to the end of the chapter, Mark chapter 4. Verse 35, if you have grown up in Sunday school or children's church, you would have heard of this uh, story maybe more than once, and you perhaps uh, could memorize it by heart. Mark chapter 4, reading from the NIV, verse 35, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Lord Jesus, I ask today, as you have moved among us and touched our hearts through the worship service, that you will also continue to do that which you desire in our hearts as your word is being shared. Let your word be heard. Let our hearts respond. In Jesus' name. Amen. This passage is found in three Gospels out of the four. So you can find uh, a sim- this, a sim- this similar episode in uh, Matthew as well as the Gospel of Luke besides Mark. One of the reasons that people believe that there exists four Gospels is because in those days, the disciples were reaching out to different communities. They were going different places to preach the Gospel. And after a while, many of these apostles were actually you know, uh, dying, or they, they didn't live that long because of the persecution. Some believe that actually all of them were martyred because of their preaching. And therefore, with the disappearance of the apostles from the scene, of course, there were the disciples of the apostles that were around, people began to realize that, hey, we need something uh, copied, uh, written down to record uh, the, the, the teachings of Jesus and the, the works of Jesus so that, you know, after a while, these things would not get forgotten. And because they were preaching to different communities, uh, they began to, target their writing to different communities. And of course, it was not possible to write down and record down everything that Jesus have uh, taught and uh, have done. And so the people who write Gospels, they usually select those things that they consider to be the most important. Or like, you know, if I want people to know about this Jesus, uh, these are the things that they, they need to know that Jesus has taught or have done. And this particular incident about Jesus calming the storm is considered to be so important by the disciples that irrespective of the communities that they were reaching out to, they decided we need this passage. We we need to record this down. We need the people that we are preaching to to know about this incident. And so this event was recorded in three of the four Gospels. This God's, this passage, first of all, you will notice that it was Jesus' idea to go over to the other side. Which means that if Jesus is really God, really God, and not just an ordinary person, and since he can calm the storm, and uh, since, you know, in the passage that we have read, it is quite obvious that he wasn't even surprised. Uh, or, or, you know, state a shock, you know. He's sort of like, okay, go up. and uh, Okay, what? ah uh, uh, Shut up. Uh, That's it. You know, like he, he wasn't caught in a surprise that, oh, how come you're in a storm, huh? You know. Now, if he's not surprised, that means he already know about it. His re- re- reaction and response seems to indicate to us that it's like, this is nothing. I already know about it. Now, if that is the case, then his suggestion, like, let's go over to the other side, it's also not out of uh, you know perhaps uh, just uh, you know spur of a moment like oh nothing to do what to, oh uh, let's go. It wasn't like that. It was planned. Now, if it is planned, then we have to ask why did he plan such an incident? Why did he plan such an experience? People who study the Gospels, you know, sometimes they try to create a kind of a timeline. But even though they may not be too accurate, there are many who believe that this event happened at about perhaps two years after the disciples have already been with Jesus. Now, consider the fact that the disciples were with Jesus for only three or maybe slightly more than three years. Two out of three years is two-thirds of the time. So by that time, the disciples having been with Jesus for two years would have known who Jesus is. They would have also witnessed many miracles, many astounding things that nobody has ever done before, but Jesus has done them. If today you know, we have a time machine and we go in and then we decide that let's go back to the time of Jesus. And uh, we are some, you know, we want to interview the disciples and we want to ask them, uh, you know, certain things about Jesus because we want to know more. And if let's say that we, we are able to get to know, to see the disciples and we would ask them, hey guys, you know, we, we know that uh, you are the people that are the closest to Jesus. You are the 12, you know. Nobody knows Jesus like you do. You can imagine they would be so proud. Of course. Now, I'm not really making this up because the fact that they fought for the right to sit on the right side and the left side of Jesus, and sometimes they want to fight to be who is the greatest, shows that they are very, uh, how I say uh, concerned about positions. And the fact that when somebody is very concerned about position, it means pride. So I won't be surprised that if you were to challenge them and say that, uh, you know Jesus, uh, they will be quite upset. We don't know Jesus. Who else know Jesus? We are the ones uh, who bring him food. We are the ones who are there by him. If anybody get close to Jesus, we are his bodyguards, you know, 12 of us. Nobody get close to Jesus without our permission. And we are the ones, when we see things we don't understand, we have a private talk with him. Nobody else have the privilege. They would be upset if anybody challenged them that they don't really know who Jesus is. Of course they know Jesus. If not, why would we have left everything to follow Jesus? And yet, the end of this passage ends with, who is this Even the wind and the waves obey him. Oh, I thought you know Jesus. Of course, of course we know Jesus. But then, you know, the very fact that they asked that question, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him, shows one of the reasons why this passage and event have been arranged by Jesus. You see, in some ways, we and the disciples are, Quite similar, they have been with Jesus for two years. They know Jesus in and out because, after all, they are so close. They are with Jesus twenty-four-seven. Do they? Many of us, we have no, we really know Jesus. We have been with, we have been in the Christian faith for a long time. Some of us, you have been a Christian since you were in your mother's womb, so you didn't really have a choice. So sorry at that time. <clears throat> You know, if anybody knows Jesus, you know Jesus. You've been in Sunday school. You can repeat those stories better than the teachers. You can even act out the stories better than your teachers. You know, know most of the stories in the Bible before the speaker even read the passage. I say, "I, I know about that already. That Jesus coming, the storm. Up. We know Jesus, and we hear about Jesus every Sunday." All the time. But do we really know Jesus? The question as to whether we really know him usually is found when we don't see him. You see, in this incident, they were in the boat. The furious storm came. And uh, the boat was nearly swamped. That means water was coming in. It was quite a storm. And they were in danger. Other other gospel says that they were in danger, great danger. And because of the, the gravity of the situation, the disciples, you know, must be fighting so hard to, to keep the boats afloat, to, to, you know, just for survival, just trying to make sure that they don't drown and that the boats won't capsize. And while they were struggling and struggling and struggling all of a sudden they realize that Jesus wasn't among them. At least wasn't part of the the group, you know, that they're struggling. They look around, of course the boat wasn't that big. Hey, sleeping The, The only gospel of Mark records that Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. Now, I don't know how some of you sleep. You know, when we were younger, <clears throat> let's talk about when we were younger. When you sleep, huh, your cushion begins to be underneath your head. But when you awake, huh, the cushion don't go where. Huh. Children are like that, you know, because they, are, they turn around 360 degrees and they kick all over the place. Which just tells us that cushions are pretty light, all right? easily dislodged. Since this is a storm, there is no way that the cushion can stay put. Have you ever been on a boat in a stormy sea? Uh, Some of you might have. Many, many years ago when I was in Australia, some, you know, I was studying there. And then one day, somebody suggested, hey, let's go see whales. I said, whales? Wow, that would be really great. I mean, whales you can see on TV, but real-life things, you know. So, of course, these are tourist things. You, see, you have to book beforehand, so we booked. Then on the day the day that we were supposed to go, it started to drizzle. Then we were saying, like, can go, ah. Uh, go out to the sea, you know, because it's drizzling. And they said, never no, mind. You know, by the time you reach there, uh Perhaps the rain would stop, so we went all the way, drove, can't, can't remember how long, We reached the seashore, and it was still drizzling, and uh, there was a slight wind. And uh, we asked the tour operator, safe to go up? They said, sure, of course safe. If not safe, they have to refund, so sure safe. All right, so together, we our group was about five of us, and there were other tourists. We joined together, when we went on a catamaran, you know. It's pretty wide, Kriatamarang, and then we went out. You know, and so at first it was okay. You know, slow sail all the way out there, and then when we reach the middle, they have to look for the. You have to look for the whales. You realize the whales are not there, like by appointment, you no know, waiting for you. So you have to look for the whales. Okay, then uh, they spotted whales. They said, like that. Then you have to go and chase the whales. Uh, to chase the whales, that is when they press on the pedal and the boat go, dung, dung, dung. the reason why the boat go like that was because the sea was slightly rough, slightly, slightly rough that day because it was a bit rainy. But just because it was slightly rough and they were you know, they were speeding the boat, so it was as if like almost like in a mini storm. It was going up and down, up and down. When you reach there, the whales were not waiting there. All right? So then they said, oh, not here. You look again, ah, there. Then they went there. That day, the whales didn't want to cooperate. Every time we reached that spot, the whales were missing. So after about three, four times, everybody was holding on to the railing for dear life. And uh, uh. Uh, And, uh, you know, after a while, some of the tourists were saying, uh, can, can, can we go home can, can we go back to the shop? It's all right. The tour operators was a No, you know it's okay. We will get in because they know if they go back so early, you will, they will have to pay you. So they went a few more times. At, at the end of it, all 20 over of us were hanging on to something and not even standing up all lying down because our stomach could not take it. So every time I read this passage, I think of the incident and I say that, Lord, you know, for us, it wasn't even a storm and we were like dying already and holding on to anything for their life because if not, when the boat is, you know, bouncing here and there, you can get thrown over. So I can imagine the disciples will be holding on to something for their life, all right, because it's a storm or else they would have been thrown up. And then when they turn around, they saw Jesus. And then they were wondering, like, oh, we have been making so much noise. You're still sleeping. Huh? You don't even know. Ah. And the first question that they asked him when they woke him up, what's, ah. you you don't care if we drown? You don't care if we drown. Why did Jesus arrange this episode? For a simple reason. Sometimes you're in that storm and you are shouting at the top of your voice, help, help, help. And then you'll be thinking, anybody who's alive can see what I'm going through. But then Jesus cannot be found. At least he is not responding. But you believe he's there, you turn around, hey, he's, there, Ma. he's there, he's there, he's there. You come to church and the pastor tells you, Jesus is alive. And everybody around you say, Amen, Amen. And then you think, Really, man? Uh, if he's alive, what's happening in my life? Why does he do something? Is he sleeping? Is he sleeping? He's sleeping so calmly, he don't care. He don't care. Can you hear the anger? in the voice of the disciples when they asked him, don't you care if you drown? And then all day, you see, after this, when this incident is recorded, some of them remember Jesus, when he was sleeping, his head was sleeping on a cushion. I think Jesus specially arranged that scene whereby he's not just sleeping, but his head was on a cushion. My friend, the storms could not even dislodge the cushion from the head of Jesus. In such a furious storm, where you have to hold on for dear life, if not, you'll be thrown out that cushion can still stay in place. What kind of kung fu is that, you think? Can you imagine? What kind of kung fu you can still, you know, that you have so much power, nothing, not even the cushion that you're sleeping on can move. Why did Jesus arrange that kind of a picture for us? It's because when we are in a storm, We are so afraid we'll be thrown over. We are so afraid that things will get so out of control. But Jesus wants you to know that the cushion that is underneath his head, no one can move. No storm can throw that cushion into the sea. No storm can move that cushion even a bit away. Because why? The cushion is stayed, is together with Jesus. Friends, are you less important than a cushion? Are you less important to Jesus than a cushion? Are you not close to Jesus like the way the cushion is? You are in his heart. We talk about Jesus coming to die for us. Would you die for a cushion? Huh? Go and buy another one. Ah. Throw away the old one. All right? Nobody takes the cushion for I, I mean children, yeah. Lah, you know, huh? Those two, three-year-old, oh, don't wash my cushion, my cushion, until it smells like crazy as old. They think it's all heavenly smell. But when we grow up, you know, it doesn't matter. we are so important to Jesus, he came to die for us. And not only that, he promised to be with us from now until forever. To to love us so much, to care for us so much, and yet, there are times we think he doesn't care. He He doesn't care. And Jesus wanted the disciples to know how much he cares, even when they feel that he is not reaching out to help them. Because today, you and I, we don't see Jesus. At least not in the way that the disciples see Jesus. You and I don't get to touch him like the way the disciples get to touch him. And because of this, more than ever before, there are times when you cry and cry and you just shout and and Jesus doesn't seem to hear. But the fact that Jesus chose to be in that same boat with the disciples is to teach the disciples that whether you get my response immediately or not, I am still there with you. Whether you see the, the answer immediately or not, or the, whether you see the help or not, I am totally aware of your situation. That's why Jesus was not surprised. And this is the lesson he wants each of us who read this gospel to know. That there will be times in life, though we cannot explain why, there will be times in life that you'll be facing situations that you feel that are quite beyond your control. That you feel that your life is in danger or at least so threatened And that you feel like getting so angry with the Lord that he doesn't care. And Jesus wants you to know that he does care. And that you are more important to him than a cushion. And that if he has the power to keep a cushion in place, does he not have the power to keep you safe? You see, when the disciples remember the incident all they can see is Jesus asleep on a cushion, sleeping there peacefully in the midst of a storm. What Jesus wanted them to know is that no storm is too terrible and too great for him to come. There is no threat in existence that threatens you to such a point whereby he cannot help you. Now, some of you may say, but then what about when we die? You know, Jesus you know, doesn't prevent death. Well, because death is a door and a part of the journey that we go through. You want to live forever uh, in this world? <laughs> some people say, no, but then look at all the vitamins and all the, all the, all the supplements we are taking. <clears throat> Nothing wrong with taking all those things. But, my friend, don't be afraid when it's time to die. It's time to die. Some of us may say that it's, it's unexpected. Yes, but really, it is better to be with Jesus than to be here. The Paul says it's better to be away from the body and to be present with the Lord. It's just part of the journey. Part of the journey. It's like. Migrating to a wonderful land, a wonderful country. So many people are so thrilled and say, oh, you know, oh, I got my visa to migrate, you know, to Australia, to America. And they are overjoyed. Wait till you reach there. Huh. Not so nice one. La. Somehow, yeah. I don't know. I've been to those countries and I've stayed there for a while. It's like, what's so great? Huh. Uh, about those, you have no chao gui and uh, I don't know. Ah, there they're there is not the same as here. One, ah. But migrating to heaven, wow, will be glorious. Will be glorious. But I want want to point your attention to the response of Jesus. After Jesus calmed the storm, he turned around to his disciples and he asked them two strange questions. He said, why are you so afraid? When I first read this, my first response was, excuse me, going to die also cannot be afraid. (laughs) When, when, When can we be afraid, please? Huh? That's what he said he asked, Why are you so afraid? Huh? Merely, I mean we are going to drown. Also, oh drown. Huh? Never mind. Huh? Oh, yeah. That's why I couldn't understand this. That's why I keep looking. Lord, is it is it wrong to be fearful? Is it a sin to be fearful? All right? I mean, if it's a sin to be fearful, all of us are sinning all the time because when you fear. You know, when when you're threatened, of course you're fearful. How can you stop? You can't even control your fear. All right? It naturally comes. All right? Is that sinful? Cannot be. Then why are you asking, you know, why are you so afraid? So I look again. And then I saw the second question. Why do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? And these two are connected. Jesus was not questioning their fear in the sense like, oh, you cannot be afraid. Jesus was not saying that. Jesus is saying is that when the fear comes because we have no faith, that is where the problem is. Because when you believe in Jesus, you must really, really know who he is. Many of us, oh, oh, we believe in Jesus. Sure, 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 Jesus Christ. But then when we are confronted with a situation, who Jesus is, is like, can't stand the test, can't stand the pressure, and all our fear overwhelms us. And we cannot believe that he will see us through. And we cannot believe that he will sustain us. Yeah, it's good to believe in Jesus, but right now, you know, look at our situation like this. Jesus wants the disciples and all of us today to come to a situation whereby when even our lives are on the line and we are frightened, of course we are frightened. But let not your fear cause you to get so angry with God or to doubt that, Jesus is God, whereby your faith cannot sustain you. That is when you need to choose. I'm very frightened now. But do I really believe all that I believe in, that he's really God, that he knows what I'm going through, that he's really in control? That's the purpose of the cushion, that he is in control. That not even a cushion, not even a storm that threatens the life of the disciples can dislodge a cushion because Jesus is in control. And so you and I, we will also be confronted with situations like that. And then we have to make the decision, do I yield to my fear, yield to my anger, and then get get so upset and say, you don't care. Or we look at the fear and look at the anger that is rising and say, I will not yield to you. I will not yield to you because Jesus is with me whether I see him or not. Jesus knows my situation and that Jesus cares for me whether I see his response immediately or whether I have to go through this by his grace and mercy. When we choose to hang on to Jesus, or when we choose to be loyal to Jesus, and choose Jesus as indeed the center of our life, we will find that slowly, slowly things will come together. Our center will hold. You know, there's a phrase that says that the center falls apart, the center does not hold. It's like a wheel, you know, like a bicycle wheel with all the spokes. The center does not hold, everything falls apart. But when the center holds, everything holds together. Jesus is our center. And then we'll find that slowly things will work out. Perhaps we need to change our lifestyle. Perhaps we need to change the way we spend money. Perhaps we need to change you know, the way we do things. But Jesus will bring it together. But before we see it all together, we are going to say that, Lord, I will choose to be loyal to you, and I will not yield to their fear. That's why when Jesus says to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? That is a question that each of us need to also answer. Because there will be times that we will be afraid. There will be times that we will also yield to anger. There will be times that we feel that, God, you are not treating me right, or Lord, you you are not blessing me. And that's when we reject those things. When my mother died of colon cancer, that was many years ago, I was angry with God, angry with God, simply because um, she had never had a good day. Uh, you know, she's those uh, people who work day and night and uh, to bring up, you know, we are seven children, bring us up together with my dad. Um, she never go for holidays. She works seven days a week all right, because uh, we, we were not rich. And so, at that time, you know, she was in her early 60s, and we were, uh, you know, the, the children, they were, we have all grown up. Uh, some of us are working, some, you know, uh, were okay. Not bringing much money home, but it's like the beginning of the good days. All right? Like, ah, they don't have to be, work so hard anymore because all the children have grown up. Everybody's working now. Slowly, life will be better all right? Then. Uh, she had cancer. And uh, I got angry also because because my mom worked all the time. She doesn't have a lot of friends. You know, sometimes when you have a lot of friends, your friends will tell and uh, they, they tell each other their health problems, and then friends with more knowledge will advise you and tell you, or oh, what you should see. But because she doesn't have a lot of friends, uh, she's those kind of women that, okay, anything problem, uh, uh, drink some Chinese herb. All right. And then, when she went to see doctors, uh, she, unfortunately, she saw the wrong doctors. One doctor told her, oh, you got a problem there. Oh, because you gave birth to seven children, so that's why you're not feeling well, you know, at your lower abdomen. So stupid also, God. Ah, cannot believe, ah. Uh, sorry, I got doctors here, but so sorry, but that's what happened to my mom. Okay? So, all kinds of things. But it's, I guess it's also her fault she doesn't know what specialist to see. We also don't know. I was a pastor, but I also don't know a lot of things at that time. All right. And we were all busy with ministry. Okay. And so until one day, she was so weak. All right. uh, again, we went to see another doctor. And this lady doctor, the moment she examined my mother, she said, you need to see. And she was very careful. She listened to what my mom said. And she said, you need to have a colonoscopy. I don't know why all the other doctors never say those things. So the moment she went through a colonoscopy, the doctor shook her head, the specialist shook his head. Uh, you need an immediate operation. Okay, Immediately, You know, a day or two later, operation. The operation only lasted an hour. Why so short? Because the doctor said, I cannot do anything. There's nothing I can do. It spread all over. and so it was too sudden too fast and it was too painful and i got angry with god yeah it's like you serve god you know and then look at what happened to your mom you know, other, you hear stories of other people, you know, they uh, got advice from this friend, that friend, uh, sought treatment in time, and then, you know, was able to have an operation, survive um, many more years later. Because colon cancer is not like other cancers. Some Sometimes, you know, a lot of people survive it, especially early detection. But my mother didn't have that luck, so to speak. And we under God. Why don't you bless? Why didn't you bless my mother with more luck, if luck is necessary, or you know better, better uh, doctors, better consultation, better medical advice? I think. And so my mom only lives six months because when we asked the doctor, you know, should, uh, should we seek a chemotherapy? You know, the doctor was very kind. The doctor said, if there's any treatment that is. Workable or that will help, I will have recommended to you. He didn't even offer, the, or he didn't even suggest chemotherapy or radiation or whatever. He said, "No need, no need. Just, just go back and uh, let her, uh, you know, just rest and do whatever she wanted to do." Six months, my mom died. During that time, many things went through my mind, and so one of those things was anger, anger, anger. Yeah. One day the Lord said to my heart, after my mom died, he said, You are angry your mom was not blessed, that she didn't get a chance to enjoy the fruits of her labor, you know, uh, seeing lots of grandchildren, you know, have a good life. And the Lord said, do you think she is not enjoying her life now with me? Do you think that if she have lived longer, that her life on earth would be better, more blessed, than right now, her life with me? And I was comforted. Because I know my mother. You ask her to rest, also don't know how to rest, that kind. So if she's alive, she'll still be working there, like, she's that kind. Uh, you ask her to spend money, go to vacation, she don't know how to spend, that kind of thing. Ayah, too expensive, I don't go, I don't go. So now, at least now, she's on permanent vacation. Now. <laughs> but, during that six months, one of the things, question that come to me is that, will you stop, following Jesus because of this? Will you stop believing in Jesus because you feel that, you know, how come Jesus uh, didn't bless you? He sort of failed you, didn't he? And that is when I realized I must make a choice. And so I made a choice. I said, Lord, I don't have the answers for everything. Like, oh, why this happened? Why that one didn't happen? I, I don't have those answers. But there is one thing that I can do. I can choose. I can choose to be loyal to God. I can choose to say that I will, Lord, I want to be forever be on your side. I will not give up my faith in you. You will always, always be my God. And I want to remain true to you. And I choose. And after I choose that, I was at peace. I was at peace. My friend, who is Jesus to you? There are times that a lot of people say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But then, oh, I cannot find a husband who is a Christian. So if I have to become a non-believer in order to be married, sorry, I, I, will, I will have to become a non-believer because I want to get married. Is Jesus really God? If he's God, and one day all of us have to die, your husband dies, you die also. Husband cannot be with you forever. And then sometimes you marry already, the husband turns rotten. All right, If you're a man, then hopefully your wife remains good. Those things don't last, you know, but Jesus will last. And yet, for the temporal things in this life, oh, I'm going to give up on Jesus. Then who is Jesus to us? All the things we believe in Jesus. Is it really true? Oh, he's God, you know. Oh, he gives eternal life. You want to give up eternal life for something on earth that is temporal? That's why you and I need to choose. Some people give up Jesus for money. Some people give up Jesus for other things. When you come to a point where you are challenged, give up Jesus, then you have to ask yourself, who is this? And the Bible tells you the wind and the waves obey him. You want to give up on someone like that? That's why after this, the disciples were not afraid to die. All of them were not afraid to die. And all of them died for Jesus. They didn't die well. They didn't die rich and famous, sleeping on a bed. Famous maybe, but still, still didn't die well. They were not afraid to die because they know this Jesus, the wind and the waves obey him. He is god Almighty. And today you and I need to also settle in our hearts who is Jesus to you. Let's arise as we pray today.